This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. A lot of people who know me know that I'm a really nice guy, and I'm not one to throw people under the bus at all. But I'm sorry, Jacob. I have to let everybody know. You didn't know that games could end in a tie in the NFL, did you? You had no idea. You're sitting over there. You're well, mad at me right that's now. That's not true. <laughs> Nodge did come out after the game, though, and said he had no idea you could end in a tie. Egwumbake from the Lions said the same thing. People going nuts on Twitter about it. Guys, this happens every year. There's a tie in the NFL. X amount of NFL players who were part of the game come out and say, I had no idea you could end in a tie. Yeah, you know what's really funny? Bill Hillgrove on the broadcast said, this is the first time the NFL since week 10 of last year. I know. They tie constantly in the NFL these <laughs> it's days. It's almost once a year. It's almost once a year. And ladies and gentlemen, your Pittsburgh Steelers had the great honor of being a part of the first and maybe only tie of the 2021 season. Yeah, right. You don't see it. More than once or even a couple twice times, a year, maybe. But you see it at least. Seems once. like you it. See it probably every year, especially since they cut five minutes off of the overtime yeah, period. Yeah, see that rule, I don't like. Why? Why? Why not have a little extra five minutes of time? Why? Why did we well, have exactly. to make it a special why? a special time amount for that overtime period or for that quarter period? Everyone else is fifteen, but this one just gets ten for some reason. That's what I'm saying. I'd rather it be fifteen. Well, we got a lot to talk about here on the Steelers Standard, obviously. Yeah, we need more than 15 minutes. Jacob Reck, Tom Opperman, 16-16 to tie at Heinz Field for your Pittsburgh Steelers. But let's be honest, folks, that's a loss. I mean, Absolutely. what it does to their, sta- their standings in the playoffs, it's not felt yet. <laughs> in fact, if you look at the standings, they've actually moved up a spot from where they were before the game. They were the sixth seed, now they're the five seed. But that's just based on, you know, they got that one ex- less loss than everybody else because of the tie, but they also don't have as many wins. I feel like that's going to end up evening itself out to the detriment of the Pittsburgh Steelers. If the Steelers were a team that we expected to be 10-7 and seven, or maybe even 11-6 and six, and you change that to 10-6-1, and one, you're still probably in the playoffs comfortably. But this is a team that we've been looking at teetering on the edge of 8-9, and 9-8, nine, nine and eight. I don't know if 8-8-1 eight, eight, and one necessarily pushes you into that spot. Now, I've speculated before that 8-9 and nine might sneak you in, so naturally 8-8-1 eight, eight, and one would also sneak you in if that was the case. But seeing how the Patriots did yesterday, seeing how the Chiefs seemed to finally wake up last night on Sunday Night Football. Finally have the division lead in the AFC West. Things are getting a little more dicey as far as is 8-9 and nine going to be good enough. I think you got to have at least a winning record now in the AFC. And unfortunately, that tie might hold them a half a game out of that playoff spot. So I understand that you can't sit here on a Monday after the game and pound the fist and say, what did they do to lose this game? Because they didn't. No. But as far as I'm concerned, in the long run, this is going to feel like a loss. I, I don't ever come out of a tie, whether it's the Steelers playing or witnessing other two teams playing, and consider it a win. It, to me, it, a tie is a loss. And... Yes, by definition, that is controversy in itself, but I can't feel good about this game, Tom, unless the Steelers had walked out as victors. There's there's only one way to walk out of a game if you want to feel like a winner, and that's to win the game. And they did not do that, and the only other way to feel about a game if you didn't win it is to feel like you lost it and I feel like the the Steelers lost that game, even though it ended in a tie. Especially because go back before the Bears game 
two weeks ago, we've been saying constantly on not just this show, all the shows, you got to get to six and three. Mm -hmm. This stretch of the schedule is a godsend for you, especially after you stole that game in Cleveland. You got to beat the Bears and you got to, got to, got to beat the 0 and 8 Lions. Unfortunately, they didn't lose any of those two games, of course, but that tie, of course, stings. No, I think I think you can consider it a loss because what you said and tr- before we we played or we saw the Steelers play the, the Bears and the Lions was you had to go two and zero, oh. one and one and zero oh and one did not is cut not it. two and zero. Oh. Let's not bury the lead with this game. Saturday night, Jacob and I working a little Hall of Honor broadcast. Mm-hmm. We just wrap up. I'm about to head home. Ten minutes later, Twitter goes bananas. Ben Roethlisberger added to the COVID list. Everybody, I think, started to hold their breath a little bit, but not too badly because, of course, it was the 0-8 Detroit Lions, right? Mason Rudolph can beat the 0-8 Detroit Lions. The defense can carry the day against the 0-8 Detroit Lions. Well, fast forward to Sunday. After the first drive, it looked like, okay, we can wash our hands of this one, 6-3. Good job. Ben actually gets a sneaky week off now all of a sudden. And then everything started to stall a little bit with that offense, and I think that was the biggest problem with Mason who missed a lot of throws, to be very honest mm-hmm. with you. But it was the fact that he was phenomenal on the first drive. Script drive, you know those drives are scripted. You know those are the plays that Mason wants to run and that he is confident in running. Perfect ball placement to James Washington in the end zone. After that, though, he couldn't get the offense going on the right track, really, for the rest of the football game. Mm-hmm. And he even said in his postgame press conference, great first drive, you know, executed that to a T. Got to score more points early because they had a lot of opportunities to go up early in this game. Kind of let the Lions hang around. And when you let a bad team looking for that first win hang around, they start to feel the confidence on the sidelines a little bit. Hey, we can win this football game. And that's what happened. Yeah, I mean, Dan Campbell. They play hard for him, even though they don't. Dan Campbell, I hope, has more than one season spent with the Detroit Lions because I think he's... It's obvious they haven't quit. Like they, I don't know why. When you're an 0-8 team entering that week, it's hard to find motivation from anywhere, and I guess the only place you can really get it is from the guy leading your team. That's the head coach. And, yeah, he kept them in it, and he had said all week long, I don't care that we're 0-8. I don't care that we came off our worst loss of the year against the Eagles and then we had the bye week. We're going to come out fighting, and that's what they did. And the Steelers and Lions entered halftime tied. They entered the end of regulation tied, and they left the game tied. I would have to imagine that Dan Campbell is just so mad at Jared Goff behind closed doors because I was saying this to Crowley during the game last night when the Lions had the ball for their last chance to get into field goal range in regulation. And I turned and I said, if I'm Dan Campbell, I'm calling Jared Goff over, and I'm being like, dude, you were in a Super Bowl three years ago. You were a number one overall pick. Can you get me 30 yards so I can win the football game? And then, of course, in overtime, Jared Goff did get him the 40 yards, and his kicker missed the field goal. It was a weird kick. It didn't it was a look bad like kick. it was a botched kick. It just it like barely crept its way up and then still fell short about like five or ten yards. But it's phenomenal to me that this guy – Number one pick overall was just in a Super Bowl. I mean, just recently in a Super Bowl, and he's playing worse, much worse than Mason Rudolph. Did At one in this point, he game. had what eleven yards passing. He's a hundred. He had one hundred and fourteen total yards. Yeah, and that came That's with an, an additional ten exactly. minutes of overtime. Exactly. So he is not a good quarterback, and the Steelers are honestly lucky because 
if that wasn't the 32nd best out of 32 starting quarterbacks in the NFL, and I firmly believe that right now, they probably lose that game. Oh, if it's if Matt Stafford's still in Detroit. Oh, I mean, well, that's a, a given. I'm I'm thinking you can even go if Taylor Henneke, who just beat the mm-hmm. Buccaneers, is in Detroit, you're losing that game. You know, Baker Mayfield. If two is out there for them, you're losing that game. I think any other quarterback, Matt Ryan, is out there. You're probably losing that game. You even though he was abysmal last week. Any other quarterback wins you that game if you're the Lions. So Steelers have to count their blessings that. Without a doubt, the biggest stinker, I think, of their season came against a team that wasn't going to beat you with that stinker but tie you. <laughs> I don't know. If the Lions finish 0-16-1. and Is that more embarrassing than going 0-17? I think it might be, but we sat here last Friday and said, the Steelers do this kind of thing where there's always like a 1-15 team or a 2-14 and team and a 3-13 and team. and You never want to be that that team or, or one of the teams that fall into that category of the team's only win or two wins or three wins on the year. And the Steelers sometimes have a tendency of doing that, and this year was no exception. Maybe the Lions will get on the win column next week and help the AFC North knock the Browns down even more of a peg as wow. they play the Browns uh, next Sunday. Couple Presumably without Baker Mayfield? Per, I, would, I would say it's a pretty safe presumption as well. It doesn't mean it's a bad thing for the Browns, though. <laughs> no, it might actually be a blessing in disguise. If they get Chubb back, I don't think it even matters, honestly, which they should because he was only on the COVID list for the Patriots game. Man, we'll get to them at a later episode, but they're a different team without Chubb. I mean, a, complete, oh, completely. a completely different team. It's night and day. A couple of key sequences, plays that I think cost the Steelers this game against the Lions. Uh, number one that stands out to me, goal line. Mm. Three straight passing plays. What the hell are you doing? Yeah, you know. You got Najee Harris. It's pouring down rain. Rudolph has proven throughout the game he ain't been the most accurate. Run the ball a couple times. If he gets stuffed, he gets stuffed. At least you made the right call and you failed making the right call. Don't fail making the wrong call. In real time, it became more and more head-scratching of a moment. Right? First down, you say, okay, well, this isn't totally uncharacteristic of the Steelers to throw the ball on a first down. Didn't you feel like they did that a lot yesterday, though? It was... Reminded me of when Keen or when Baker was in against the Steelers, and everybody and their mother was saying they're going to run, they're going to run, they're going to run, and they passed the ball like on seven straight first downs. Mm-hmm. Didn't you kind of feel that way? It's really the start of the game. Steelers maybe trying to catch him off guard, thinking, "Oh, they're going to just sell out the stop the run. We got to pass with Mason." I, he passed the ball fifty times, Jacob. Like this is Mason Rudolph, people. They were outthinking themselves. They. They were playing chess against themselves. I they really were. were. Turning, they were sitting in one seat, turning the chessboard around and playing black and white. And I don't think Dan Campbell knows how to play chess. I mean, just straight up, I don't think he does. Like no, you don't, you don't have you to outthink yourself. Checkers. Yes. You could have easily beat the Detroit Lions. Keep it simple, stupid. K I S S. But uh, speaking to that one drive when they were in the red zone, and in a goal to go situation, first down comes pass. Okay, second down comes pass. Well, that was weird. Then you have to pass. And then you're thinking to yourself, well, now they have to pass here on third down because they never feel comfortable running the ball on third down unless it's third and one or third and two, and that's not the case. It was third and five or third and six. And then once they obviously didn't complete that third down, which, again, they weren't great on third down, something that we've kind of seen a tendency from them all year long, you're thinking to yourself, did I really just watch this team with Najee Harris at running back and Mason Rudolph at quarterback pass the ball three times in a row from five yards out, from six yards out, and not move the ball at all. And that's exactly what happened. And like I said, in real time, 
it was more and more head scratching as it played out because you were just in disbelief that they didn't go to Najee Harris once in that little three uh, three play circumstance. No, it, it's honestly a little bit of malpractice when you think about it because, like we were saying, you have the best running back, best young running back in the NFL. Honestly, the numbers bear out him being the best running back in the past so many weeks in the entire NFL, and it just it was it was a head scratcher. There's nothing more you could say about it. That was twice that they were at goal to go, and they decided to pass the ball three times. Uh, they did it in the first half, and they did it again in the second half, and they came away with field goals. The second half one should have been a touchdown, though. That's the other sequence that I think lost this game. Mason Rudolph right. has Ray Ray McLeod dead to right. And that is a pass that not only every starter should make in the NFL, obviously, but even a backup. every single backup should be able to make that pass. That's not a hard pass. There was no tight window no. he needed to fit it into. He was just sitting there waiting for the ball to get to him. And somehow with him sit, basically sitting down in the end zone, waiting for that ball to get to him, Mason, Mason still threw the ball too low. Skipped it right in there. Uh, McLeod fell over trying to catch. There was no chance he could catch that ball. None. If he was Mr. Fantastic and he was able to stretch his arm a quarter mile, he still wasn't going to be able to grab that ball before yeah, it got off the turf. that's an easier pass than the one he threw in the first quarter to James Washington. I mean, James Washington was wide open in that corner. There's a lot of pressure of fitting that into like that tight window so that he can get his feet down and everything. Ray Ray was just wide open right in front of him, and you still underthrow that ball. You're, you're throwing that ball five yards down the field and you somehow underthrow a ball that only is traveling that short of a distance. One last thing on Mason before we get to the big reasons why they weren't able to win this game. <clears throat> Butterfingers. Pass the Deontay Johnson. It's third down. It's in the fourth quarter. The game is tied. You got a chance to have that game-winning drive, get Boswell in range. Boswell wasn't missing yesterday either. He was locked in. No matter the inclement weather, weather he was, he was locked still locked in to that. That 50-yarder that he made in that weather, it would have been good from like 67 yards. I mean, he booted the hell out of that ball. So you just need to get him into field goal range. Deontay absolutely makes his defender lose his jock strap and break his ankle on a very simple slant route that if you watch it in slow motion, Deontay's right hand just kind of like taps the defender on the shoulder as he just cuts into the inside wide open room to run maybe to the entire to the end zone after that right and it's a bad pass again it skips in at his feet it's in front of him he's trying to reach out for it I turned to Adam and Brian in the control room for the Steelers game and I said seven hits that pass if if he's protected and he doesn't have to move seven makes that pass until he's 65 years old he that is the easiest pitch and catch for him and that is the difference that you saw yesterday with Mason and the drop-off from Ben to him. That's the game. Even if Deontay doesn't get into the end zone there, he's in field goal range already. And it wasn't a sure thing he wasn't going to get to the end zone, by the way. He had a lot of green room. spaces all around him to run. you got to hit that pass. It's such a big moment in the game, and he skips it right in front of him. Steelers have to punt the ball away. Again, a couple passes that Mason missed, that one might have been the one that stung the most. That one and the Ray Ray one, I think, equally. Because I think you're taking points off the board right. there. Yeah, exactly. You're taking you're taking seven guaranteed points off. You're taking four points off the board with the Ray Ray touchdown because you kicked the field you still, goal. Yeah. you still kick the field goal, but you're also taking off three points from that missed opportunity from at least 
a Chris Boswell field goal if Deontay isn't able to make a move. I mean, the the move he made in overtime right before the Pat Fryermuth fumble, and we'll get to that shortly, when he caught the ball in the middle of the field and just gave one little juke and was somehow able to get out of bounds. He went all the way across the field. All the yeah. way across, without any real effort. He just did a little Deontay Johnson classic type of move, and he was able to get out of bounds. On that play, Tom, of which you're referencing, there's no doubt he can make a move or two with all that open field to get into the end zone. So you know you're, you've given up now at least a total of seven points, four from the Ray Ray touchdown, three from the – from the play missed by Deontay Johnson. Missed by Mason. Miss, missed yeah. by Mason to Deontay Johnson. Thank you for that correction. But that's an entire touchdown. I mean, you are with you are up now twenty three to sixteen, rather tied sixteen to sixteen going into the end of regulation. I don't even think that if Ben is in that play, Ben's not even thinking, Oh, how how do I get the ball to Deontay here? It is just it's almost uh it's just muscle memory. Pitch and for, catch. It's, it's, it's muscle just... memory for, for Ben. He looks, he sees his man open in the middle of the field, and he's going to get into it. doesn't matter if he has chased Claypool wide open by five yards down the sideline. He's going to throw that ball to Deontay Johnson 100 times out of 100, and he's going to convert that ball 100 times out of 100. And the really frustrating thing, too, is, Tom, I hearken back to the conversation we had in preseason when in the first two games, the Steelers were debating who's going to be number two. Is it going to be Dwayne Haskins? Is it going to be Mason Rudolph? This is the big storyline of the year, definitely, throughout the preseason. And then you get to the Detroit game, and Ben just pieces that defense, just rips that Detroit defense apart. Three drives, two touchdowns, both ending with Pat Fryermuth catching the ball in the end zone. And we all said at the end of the game, that's why you have a guy like number seven. You can have that conversation about Mason versus Haskins as your number two all year long. doesn't matter because they're the number two guy. Ben Roethlisberger is the guy that matters. Ben Roethlisberger is going to be the one to tear that defense apart. And there's no question in my mind that if Ben was out there, we are not having this conversation. Ben, ben, makes, that same pay, ben makes that same touchdown pass to James Washington. I don't understand why. I don't think you, the, the, the game circumstances change as a whole. Ben Roethlisberger is not throwing 50 balls in that game. Right. Because the offense is going to be flowing enough that they're going to be comfortable giving Najee Harris the ball. There's no way. There's been no indication whatsoever that Ben has had the need to throw the ball 50 times since they've gone on this, what, three-game, four-game winning streak that just ended this this past Sunday? They've run the ball more than they've passed the ball in almost all of those games. I think, actually, in all of those games, they've had more runs than passes. And then Ben goes out, your Hall of Famer, and, and he you, makes the passes that you need him to make. And you pass, but I'm saying Ben goes out and you pass the ball 50 times compared to running it 36 times. Like, hello, yeah, so hello, even, like even if that happens, if Ben's throwing the ball 50 times, you're running the ball 30 times. You're Ben's still, still converting on those passes that Mason couldn't. No question about it. And uh, just. Uh, all the people that were saying, well, Steelers are getting held back because of Ben. I mean, right. Ben, ben can't make the deep ball. Ben can't make the big play. Well, you know what Ben can make? The plays that he has to make. And you saw what happens when the backup Mason comes in. He can't always make the plays that you have to make. Oh, and by the way, pretty ugly interception thrown by Mason, too. Mm. Has Ben thrown ugly balls this year? Yes. Ben's been lucky, though. And I don't know if Ben thro- has thrown a ball that was that bad on a little dump off to Balaj that went 50 yards over his head right into the I mean, Detroit Lions player's that, lap. Balaj was wide open. Yeah, it's an easy dump off that he just sailed on him. I mean, 
Ben hasn't turned the ball over in what five weeks, uh-huh. six weeks now. Well, hasn't thrown an interception. He's he's had a fumble. But that's but a, hasn't thrown that's an what we're we're hearkening yes. as the positive. Ben would not for, make that mistake. The biggest positive we've been saying about Ben on this show all year is he's not turning the ball over, and that's what we really need from him is maintain possession. Don't let teams have short fields to operate against your elite defense, and he's been doing that to a T. And Mason came in and he immediately. It went right out the window with yeah, him it was, because it was not good for Mason Rudolph. That Kalen Balaj interception, just that's a checkdown pass. You you talk about how Ben's muscle memory is solid as ever when throwing that dink and dunk pass over the middle to Deontay. What's his second most comfortable th- throw that he can make in a game? A checkdown pass to the running back. He loves that. And both of those passes, the one to Deontay Johnson that you're very upset about, and then the Kalen Balaj interception. Ben converts those passes a hundred percent. If not, if he doesn't, if it's not a hundred percent, then the Kalen Balage pass is just an incomplete pass. There's no way that ball is getting intercepted. There's no way Ben sails the ball like Mason did. It's not all on Mason, though. Of course, especially the big turning point plays. <sighs> got to talk about Deontay and got to talk about our yeah. boy Patty Fry. One week the hero, next week the goat for him. But Deontay, with that fumble in overtime, the first fumble in overtime for the Pittsburgh Steelers, said he was just trying to make a play. That's what we pay. And he did. That's he what we pay him to do. Thirty yards. That's what we pay him to do. What I don't like is you say I'm just trying to make a play. Okay, well, part of making the play is holding on to the football. Going at the down end. to the ground with the football. And I'm not one of these people that are today being the Monday morning quarterback and saying, you just got to go down the second you catch that ball. You can't decide to make a, a nice yards well, after catch play. You can for the other guy, but not for No, Deontay. I think that's a, anybody, anybody, keep going after that. If you can get extra yardage and make the field goal easier on Chris Boswell, beautiful, do it. But you got to hold on to the football, man. It's the biggest problem that you've had all your career is the drops and the holding on to the football and fumbling. And you've been so good all year. All year long. And then this game you had a couple drops and you fumbled that big one away. Very, very disappointing effort from Deontay Johnson in this game. In a game they needed him desperately because, of course, no Juju, no Chase Claypool. Claypool. You're the number one, number one, number one guy now. It's just you and, and, you and James Washington. You did the number one guy play. You just didn't hold on to the football on your way into the ground. Like, you won, you A-B, yard after catch, easy chip shot, field goal, the Steelers into an overtime win, and then you just didn't finish the playoff. So, very disappointing there. No, I mean, he had fumbled the ball after he had already entered into the field goal range oh, far. of Chris, yeah, I mean, Chris Boswell. And they were going to still run a couple plays after that. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, just like to run some more clock out to see. Get a little extra clock. Just to see if yeah. they can get some more yardage for sure. But, yeah, I mean. And that came, what, after the Lions went, what, three and out or maybe a quick four-play drive or a five-play drive? They had to punt the ball away. The Steelers should get it right back. And on their first offensive possession, kind of looked like the first offensive possession in the first quarter, Tom, didn't it? They just somehow, even though they had struggled in between those two drives all day long from the first quarter to the first possession of overtime, it, it was very reminiscent of the Bears game when, you saw them go down and just march right down the field at the end of the game to give Chris Boswell that 40-yard field goal to win it before Cairo Santos missed his game-winning field goal from, what, 65 yards out or something like that. But very reminiscent, Tom. It's something that we've seen a lot is that the Steelers, in moments, can look like the world's most efficient offense, passing the ball, running the ball at the same time. But they're going to go a stretch of 
30 minutes in game time without doing anything offensively in between those two drives. And that's what you saw on Sunday afternoon yesterday where they marched the ball down the field in the first possession of, the, of, of regulation with no problem. And then it kind of took the entirety of the, re- of the rest of regulation into overtime. First possession of overtime. They woke up all of a sudden and they said, well, pff, we can do this, no problem. And they did until Deontay fumbled the ball away. And then that led to the Lions getting a 48-yard field goal opportunity. Thankfully, they missed it. Steelers and Lions traded punts after that point. Then the Steelers get the ball back one last chance. Mm-hmm. They look really efficient as they head down the field. Pat Fryermuth catches a ball. It's right on that green line that they put on the TV where that's in range for Boswell. I think it's a little deeper too. I think you could yeah, put that I back five more yards. What he I think do. they do the safest bet. And sure. he was right on there, right on that line. And he goes down. Ball just squirts out right at the very end. And well, the, the, the defender's helmet made contact. And with like the ball, it's fate. Yeah. It just sits there, right? But it could have just skipped right out of bounds. It would have been perfect. And the defender who refum- who recovered that fumble was about a half an inch away from being out, out of, of bounds while he recovered but it, the, which would have made it Steelers' possession. Just something about the football gods wanting that game to end in a tie, though, made that ball sit perfectly right there in bounds in front of the Detroit Lions player with enough room for him to fall on it in bounds. And that's your ball game. Jared Goff ain't got the arm to get it to the end zone from there. Oh, so what, eight seconds. Left no, the so they throw it in the middle of the field. They try to do the schoolyard BS from the longest yard play, and that never works, works in the NFL. So that gets blown up. Final whistle blows. It's a sixteen to sixteen tie. It's just so extra upsetting with how many times the Steelers shot themselves in the foot, especially in the overtime period. They they had two opportunities to win that game in overtime, and you can't fumble the football. I mean. That's probably got Mike Tomlin in furious right now as we sit here doing this podcast. He's probably sitting in his office just stewing over that because you can't cough the football up. That's the one thing he's so adamant that you can't mm-hmm. do. You cannot, cannot fumble the football. Mm-mm. Cannot give possession right back to them. Can't, can't shoot ourselves in the foot. And the Steelers can't say they shot themselves in a foot and got a loss, but this tie mm-hmm. was completely on the Steelers' shoulders. They should have won that football game. The Lions certainly didn't go out there and, and force a tie. No, they absolutely did not. It was all on the Steelers, Tom. I mean, you have to give the Lions some credit for sticking in there and and not just being totally incompetent because let's not forget, I mean, we'll talk about this later, 200 rushing yards at some point. It's not something you, you see typically or, or very often from a Steelers defense, a Steelers run defense, but they, they – Gave themselves opportunity. They, they they made opportunities for themselves to keep themselves in the game. And the Steelers matched their, their willingness to keep this game interesting. We'll definitely get into that 200-yard gashing at the hands of the Lions running game. We'll talk more individual performances, too, on a later episode of Steelers Standards. So you got to keep your eye out for that one. A little wink at you there. Before we wrap this one up, though, Jacob, I, this question is going to be everywhere today because yeah. that's just how it works. Do you think NFL games should be able to end in a tie? I think, yeah. I mean, like, I do why, too. I like why it. Kind of. There, there, there's no reason not to. I mean, certain certain sports have ways of getting yourself around that, like in the shootout for hockey or with. With a with a walk off run for baseball, I mean those games are impossible to end in a tie. Well, you remember hockey used to end in ties. You're right. And then they decided to implement the shootout. But I like the shootout. I do too. I like the shootout. 
But I, I don't mind a tie in, no, in I mean, sport. NBA games could easily end in, a, end in a tie. They just choose to they go choose to... They choose to go to as many overtimes as it takes. Infinite amount of overtimes. But same with... And, like, college football has found a way around it. I don't think you need to find a way around it if you're the NFL. I don't either. I think ties, you know... You play 60 minutes and then an extra seven, and then an extra 10 minutes, 70 minutes total, and score's still deadlocked at the end of it. As long as the game doesn't matter for a playoff, you know, well, moving on in the playoffs, why not being able oh, to? Oh, you're saying if the game isn't in yeah, the Yeah, if it's in the playoffs, yeah, obviously well, yeah, you've got you to find a winner. Yeah, but. But that, I mean, they do. They just say we're going to go to. We're just going to keep going, there. yeah. So I, I don't think that you're going to see a lot of knee jerk reactions, a lot of them from Steelers fans because they're salty. You don't need to change the rules here. A tie I, is I fine. I will say this. The one thing I don't like about the new overtime rules for the NFL is there's no reason to make it 10 minutes. No. I, you I eliminate you eliminate ties. You eliminate the, the frequency of ties if you extend it back to the full 15. I have no research to back this up. I'm going off of gut feeling here. I bet there's been more ties in the NFL ever since they cut that Absolutely. five minutes off. And the Steelers have two of them. Week one against Cleveland and now last, last Sunday this past – a uh, week against the Lions. That'll do it for this episode of Steelers Standard. But like I said, a lot more Steelers Lions we're going to be talking about. So keep your eye out for some more of our episodes. For Jacob Recht, I am Tom Opperman, and we'll talk to you guys next time.